This podcast is brought to you by our partners at 8 Star Energy. 8 Star Energy, a clean energy company, leading the future of portable and renewable energy. To find out more, follow them on Facebook at 8 Star Energy. I want attacking purpose for football all the time. Now we've got our backs against the wall and we're going to fight and we're going to fight hard. You've got to show me all the guts and all the determination you've got in your body. You've got to inspire me. A marvellous kick. That's as good as you'll ever see. And it puts Graham back in front. I don't know about you guys, but if I see one bloke walking out of here, give the pat on the back from people out there for a good effort, I'll spill up. From inside the centre square, boys kick the goal. Boys kick the goal. From inside the centre Hey folks, welcome to Danny Boyd, a podcast about the most wonderful, perfect football club in the known universe. That is the Footscray Football Club. Uh, trading us Western Bulldogs, I'm Danny McGinley, he's Tom Boyd. Coming up, Tony Liberatore. Uh, but at the moment, Boydie and I just thought we would relish and enjoy the fact that we won a game by over 100 points, equaling the record for most goal scorers in a game. Boydie, did you even watch it? Uh, I was actually in the car coming back from Warnable, so I did listen to it and track the scores. Well, kudos um, to you for not driving and watching it at the same time. Yeah, exactly right. And look, to be honest, the roads on the way back from Port Ferry, Warnable area are terrifying at 7pm when it's dark. There's no cars. <laughs> like the amount of times that I like miss turns or... It wasn't that many, but it was, yeah, it was pretty hard when you don't actually have like the tail lights of a car in front of you to follow. I just, you know, yeah. no light on the road. It's fully just coming from your own car. Do what I used to, uh, I love to do then is I chuck on uh, movie scores from horror films and just pretend you're in the, the after the apocalypse. <laughs> well, I was with my fiance and oh, okay. my seven week old. So I was trying my utmost to make sure she slept. That was the, uh, um, the, the main aim of the trip home. A couple of jump scares, that'll work. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> It's um she's uh she's gotten to the stage where she's quite sensitive to like even speed bumps and uh, stopping at red lights. So my aim was smooth, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. same speed the whole way home. So um, yeah. <laughs> you're going home via the Nullarbor. <laughs> oh mate, it was uh the actually the funny thing was the night before. Sorry, oh that this was on Saturday night, obviously, but on uh, Wednesday night before I went down to Port Ferry on Thursday, um. Uh, she'd gotten just for the first time super overtired and oh. just kept yelling and yelling and yelling. So we ended this up. This is your get- kid, not your fiance. Yeah, or both. Um, <laughs> and then, so the aim of the game was obviously to get her to sleep. And I know the car's like kind of the magic um, touch that we have at the moment. So yep. we actually ended up getting all the way, probably, I don't know, 45 minutes down the road before we turned around on Wednesday night at 8.30 just to get her to sleep. We went all the way down to uh, Bo Morris and. <laughs> It was, um, it was quite the uh, first experience. This is when the lockdown, when you could only go in your 5K radius, right. that would have been a nightmare. Oh, <laughs> shocking. Drive I just to the said that, yeah, I would have had to just like do laps around Albert Park in, uh, yeah. yeah. Surely, surely though, you know, any cops who were stopping people on the road, so you could just point to a newborn and they go, carry on. Yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> So, well, um, good news, we won. We good beat- news, yeah. And I think we, we chatted about last week, there was this like tiny fragment of <laughs> fear amongst us as we spoke about it on the Patreon episode that we were jinxing us. Yes. <laughs> um, but it seemed quite clear from the people that I'd spoken to who had actually been involved at West Coast that they're in a bit of a... 
They're in a bit of a spot at the moment. Yeah, I was just listening to um, uh, sports radio on the way in. The mid-season draft is yeah. tonight, and uh, there's some some young bloke who's uh, from Lang Warren who's going to be picked oh. up first by the Eagles. What a nightmare! It it feels like the opening scene of the Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like his, lo- looking for another tribute. Yeah. Like he's going to get someone else to jump his in. His sister for him. is just go volunteer, <laughs> so he doesn't have to go. Oh, it would be so tough, right? Like Im- imagine like realizing your dream in the. But but then again, I mean, like I think in history, there's been some players who've come in not so much in the mid season draft, but prior to that, who've come into clubs that have really struggled from VFL sides, and and they've actually played some footy. Yeah. So I mean, if you can get out there and actually play AFL footy, I mean, not only financially is it a big jump up from uh, wherever he's playing at the moment but yeah significantly better uh, from an exposure point of view too absolutely and uh, you know they're, they're constant there's one a lot of negativity about football at the moment one is uh, if you talk about you know whether Tasmania should have a team or, or yeah. Northern Territory they go well there's not enough talent out there okay yeah there is yeah, look at them we're yeah. bringing it like this kid uh, Jai Simpkin who's like yep. favourite for the Rising Star he's mid-season draft there are good players out there yeah there are you just got to find them yeah and like I think we've spoken about a few times that you just need a few things to go your way and like there's so there's the superstars of the competition like the Bonds who the Salwoods who come in we were just talking about them going head to head on the weekend that's why I thought of those two but they come in they'll dominate they could have gone to any side they would have been good but for 85% of players or whatever the number is, most of them need like a little help along the way or a little bit of time, a little bit of luck, um, maybe a position that fits them pretty well, um, an injury to a teammate or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that's genuinely the way that players get in the side. It's heartbreaking but true, yeah. And um, yeah, I think there's there's plenty of players that are still available to uh, to come in and fill those roles. And the other one that I saw was, was really funny was talking about West Coast was, I think someone was talking about, oh, it's all good. We've got heaps of money. It's going to be fine. And I was like, you do know there are soft caps and <laughs> there are also salary caps. So you can have as much money in the world. It'll help, but it can't get you extra coaches because they're super strict on it at the moment. It's still only at 60% no, no, of what, what it was. What they're going to do, what they're going to do is they bring in Alistair Clarkson. They're going to use uh, the Chris Judd model and Alistair Clarkson's not an assistant coach. He's a hungry Jack's ambassador. Oh, and he's right. just telling them the, the, the beauty of whoppers. Yeah. He's the Kevin Sheedy. Well, he's coming out there to yeah. invest in the, uh, in the future of the game as he did at the Giants. <laughs> Oh, the funny thing, one thing I will say that so in Port Ferry, I had my final reconnection with Leon Cameron. Actually, oh, hang I hadn't on. seen him really in like except in passing for years. So of course he you, he would have been he was your coach or he you was my Sheed? coach. Um, no, Sheeds was definitely not. Sheeds yeah. didn't know who I was when I turned up at the jump. <laughs> I swear to God, like well, he actually asked me who I was, and I was like, oh, yeah, I was <laughs> one latte, one, please, number one. Please. She says barista's tall. Oh, anyway. Um, <laughs> He's uh, he was a funny guy. I ran into him a few times at the the local uh, establishment. But um, what does yeah. that mean? Oh, he he just always used to be at the pub that was like right next to where we lived. Oh, really? Yeah. What was um, that pub? We should go there. The Palace, it was called. All right, we're gonna yeah, go. It was there. actually really nice. We used to eat dinner there. We used to get a, a meal there. Anyway, that's on our Daddy um, Boyd history tour. Yeah, it was actually uh, it was really funny because Leon's from Warrnambool. So he was up there doing this this event with me um, surrounding sort of mental health and and getting outreach into the community through WorkSafe. And I was a little bit nervous about like how it was going to go because you know our history has been I basically completely shafted the Giants <laughs> and then beat them in a prelim. Yeah, yeah, and that was about it. But um, no, mate, he was great. You have to hold that. You have to be very petty mate, to he, hold that against you. Oh, but I mean, you know. 
footy's it, full of petty people. Yeah, well, it, it brings the best and the worst out of people, right? I mean, yeah. and and for for the record, I mean, Leon was fantastic, like super supportive, very very nice to everyone that was there, um, and real like it was such an interesting time to see him because you know this is the guy literally handed me my first AFL jumper, yeah, and I'm seeing him ten days after he finished his final game coaching. See, I reckon most Bulldogs fans, although he he was an antagonist for the last. Uh, 10 years, he's very much a Bulldogs hero. Yeah, for sure. I mean, such a, a he, brilliant player. 256 games. I couldn't believe it. Do you know it? in 1990, Chris Grant won the the Rising Star, the equivalent. It was called uh, Select Magazine Rookie of the Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leon Cameron came third. Wow. We had two in the top three. Yeah, fantastic player. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah, and, how, and amazing coach. How's he going? How's he's, he going? He's, he's good. good. I, look, I, I will say, I think the thing that I remember about Leon, and maybe it was just because I was a kid, was just how... You know how intimidating he was, um, and not not like he wasn't a bully, but he, I was just scared of my first half hour coach. Oh yeah, you know, fair because enough. he was sharp. He was very very strong uh, strong minded in the sense that he was pushing his young players to get better quickly, and he knew that you know the pressure was on him to get this a triple plus list to being an a a plus side. Yeah. Um, so I just remember how sharp he was, and and. and yeah, it was really interesting having a very brief chat with him just about, you know, how how we felt. And he's like, well, the strange thing is right now when we were doing this event together, he was, you know, they were playing. The Giants were playing. Oh, of course. And, and is he, that wasn't their first game without him? The uh, second? The second, second yeah. game without him, um, I think, on the Saturday. And, um, and, you know, just him saying, he's like, yeah, it's like I'm, I'm supposed to be there now. You know, I'm supposed to have been – and I was like, it's so strange. And I think, like, it probably gets back to uh, – and we can get into your gripes about the way the, the game's covered at the moment. But I think the, the – the just such a sh- significant change for people who've been in AFL for long times. Oh, like, yeah. Long periods of time. It is insane how big the transition is. It, I get what us civilians, the only equivalent we would have is when you see your ex-wife or ex-husband – I think more... Two what, weeks later. Yeah, I think more what I mean is like um, when you build your life and the structure of your life about everything, that's just, you know, it's just footy. Yeah. And Leon's been at football clubs for it's 30 years. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like since he was a kid. And he's suddenly, for the first time in his life, whilst football season is on, has spare time. Like that is... That is a shock to the system. Yeah. That would be like none other. And I said to him, um, to keep it short, because I don't want to go into too much what we spoke about, but I, w- I said to him, I said, wait till you have your first public holiday. That'll, <laughs> and and the, wait, wait till you actually have it and then experience. And, that, and then in two years' time, when you actually realise that these are normal things that people get, right? It's like, it's such a, like, it, it didn't happen to me till this year because we had my retirement, then COVID for a couple of years. And then this year, I was like, oh, yeah, there's Queen's birthday, there's Labor Day weekend, there's Easter. Oh, these days, I don't have to work. <laughs> That's so strange. <laughs> because, you know, it's just not the case when you play footy. So, anyway, it was really nice to, um, to see him. And You're yeah. talking to a professional comedian who yeah. never get public holidays. No, no, no. Well, there's always something on, right? <laughs> always gigs, especially on the long weekends. Yeah, so. exactly right. So, yeah, yeah that, would, just, that would be weird. Isn't it strange? Yeah. So anyway, it was really good to see him. Um, yeah, and uh, just glad that he's doing well. And yeah, I've got no ill will against him. He was a great villain. He was also a great hero for us. Oh, so. I think they had a few bigger villains than him, right? Oh, like, totally. Yeah. Like, oh, I yeah. Mean, yeah, the, yeah. And, and you know, the other interesting thing I was thinking about. I know I didn't get the chance to talk to him about it at any stage, but 
I, I remember the to- when I was at the Giants, there was let's just say there's a few characters there who were less than um, enjoyable to play with at different times. Oh, here we go. Here um, we go. And it was a bit about like the culture of the players at the time. It was like just this just mash of young, talented players. It would have been very competitive. Yeah. yeah to the point where it was like the, they crossed the line from competitive into like just... Being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think over the last probably five, six years, a lot of those players aren't there anymore. Um, you know, and their complexion oh, list. Wait, well, just all the, all the Bulldogs fans who, like me, were thinking of a certain person who is still there, we're all shocked. Well, I'm not saying that – and I'm not saying that those players didn't change or grow up either. I'm talking okay. about a very specific 11-month period of time where I wasn't particularly equipped to um, deal with it either. But, yeah, it's just interesting. And I reckon they probably turned – uh, the club changed so much since I was there that it's hard to imagine like the, the what the place is like now. Was the the thing I was thinking about? Yeah. Well, yeah. For a Bulldogs podcast, we are talking about the Giants a lot. Uh, uh, before well, we, we get oh, into hey, Bulldogs hero, he is a Bulldogs hero. That's true. Yes. Good point. Well made. Um, we should also uh, give our Jazz Stevens Award. Uh, which we give out uh, every week for uh, on the free to wear episodes about the um, the the you know the un- undiscovered heroes, the ones who don't get the recognition we feel That's that right. they should. Uh, Joe Stevens, what a real estate agent! Oh, yeah, very a- heavily entwined in the fabric of the Western Bulldogs and Footscray as a whole, which which we love. That's we, why, why we're aligned with them. We met him on uh, last week's episode. Gave got his bona fides. Uh, if you are selling or buying or renting or all of those house-related things. Use Jazz Stevens. He's, a, he's an absolute hero. And if not, just give him a call. Just give him a call anyway. And just tell him that you've heard about us on the uh, – heard about them on the podcast. Yeah. Just to, to support us and help them support um, support what we do. Obviously, Danny and I both have lots on. And, uh, and yeah, he's part of the reason that we can continue doing what we love doing. Absolutely. We also have the Patreon. Uh, Patreon uh, subscribers uh, will be asking Tony Liberatore questions. They get first dibs. That's right. On the questions. Uh, so a lot of them have asked some really great questions. A lot of you have asked really great questions. We won't be able to get to all of them. But uh, now, this week's hero, this week's Jazz Stevens hero, I'm... I'm going to get it's it's pretty hard with when it, you've got what is it 16 of the 22 players scored goals yeah well I'm not going to give it to one of them anyone could score a goal against West Coast I'm talking about efficiency well, anyone except for six players <laughs> anyone except for except for those six players uh, I'm going to give it to uh, uh, Caleb Daniel who didn't get a goal 26 touches no goal that's actually well done yeah that that takes a lot of effort uh, got 92 percent efficiency. Well, wow. efficiency isn't talked about enough. No. Well, I mean, I think I remember in the in the granny. Remember how they did a massive wrap off on Bont's efficiency? Did they? Yeah. How yeah. and which granny? Good or bad? The good one. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We don't talk about that one. No, we don't. The other one. That one was a, an asterisk or something. <laughs> um, but Kat, yeah, it is. Um, it, it's such an important part of the game, and uh, it's not something we're particularly well known for. I would <laughs> no. Say. I would say efficiency is like eight from the list of things we're good at. So. Um, so to get 92% off 26 touches, hey, Caleb, we love you. Yeah. We, we do love Caleb, don't we? Of course. What a gun. Yeah. Uh, well, I've said this before, I think, but pound for pound, I think Caleb might be the most talented footballer I've seen. Well, yeah, but there's not much of him pound for pound, though. So. Yeah, but like as in he, he's... He loves those height jokes. I know that. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was... I've never seen someone who has such control over the ball at, at ground level, overhead, even for a small guy. His ability to kick the ball is just phenomenal. His lateral movement. I mean, it's just his skill level is incredible. And like, consider 
this is obviously not a joke about his height, but consider how difficult it must be to play when you're four inches, five inches, ten kilo, whatever yeah. that, like whatever the discrepancy. And you're a target, and they actually want to tag you. Yeah, it's like he's he's just an incredible player, and has made a, a wonderful career for himself. So why it's so jarring when he does make an error. Like against yeah. the Crows, he, you know, kicked it, you know, had that one error that, you know, arguably... Yeah, looked like 50. <laughs> looked like 50. That's <laughs> a Mr. Kick in his He's career. He's just so good. And, yeah. yeah, it's just so weird. Anyway, we love you, Caleb. Uh, anyway, before we get on to uh, Tony Liberatore, can I just give a gripe? Yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's I'm do excited. a rant. I don't do enough of these. No. Mostly because I, I, I imagine I probably agree with the, the rant, so... Okay, so... You, my Bulldogs, felt my fellow Bulldogs fans, have probably heard uh, a lot of griping in the media about the state of the game. It's over umpired, and that's why people are staying away. Yeah. Now, there's still about 15,000 cases of COVID a day, mm. and I reckon that is an absolute factor while it's uh, being taken away. Now, I reckon a lot of the reason a lot of people on social media and in regular media are griping, let's look at the ladder. Let's look at the ladder. Let's look at the top... Uh, the top eight, uh, we've got Melbourne, Brisbane, Frio, St Kilda as your top four. Are they are right, any of them the all most in the bottom teams? Probably all in the bottom ten of supported teams. Yep. yep. Then we've got Carlton. That's the anomaly. That's a big but team. But Carlton are as big okay. as they used to be either. Probably not. Yeah, it's a good point. Yep, definitely not. 20 years in the doldrums and nickname not being an apex predator, that doesn't bring the kids in. Right. So it's only heret- so only family okay. lines yeah. are keeping Carlton alive. I was wondering what you are talking about there, but now I understand, yes? Yeah. No, that's why, that's why Gold Coast Suns doesn't make sense. You need a shark or yeah. a stingray. <laughs> Something ferocious. That's what kids love. Anyway, yeah. um, Geelong, six, they're probably the – they're in the top. Yeah, they don't draw that. They, they, draw, they used to draw big crowds, Geelong, when they played rivalry games at the G, but I, st- I mean, they still can't fit as many. It's um, at yeah. whatever it's called, Kid in Your Park. And then you've got uh, Swans and the Dogs. Now, Richmond, Collingwood, Hawthorne, Essendon, West Coast, Coast. Adelaide Crows – Port Adelaide. These are all the most supported teams and they're not playing well. And this is why people are staying away. These are the fair weather fans. I'm yep. not saying all of the people who support these clubs yep. support, have fair, are the fair weather fans, but they have more fair weather fans than the rest of us. Yeah, can I add in another layer too? Absolutely. It, Thursday and Friday nights, what do people traditionally do? Go uh, to the office, Yep. go into the city, go yep. to the game, go home. Yep. No one's working in the city. Good it's point. still at very, very low capacity levels yep. in terms of the CBD in particular. Um, and I, like, I think people are probably relishing the fact they can go out and see their friends and do yeah. stuff, sure. But, I mean, to expect – and not, not to mention, I mean, the flu's going around as well. So people yes. are also sick with that. And gastro. There's all there's – all, I mean, there's just – and life's, life's insane at the moment. Like, I, I found – you don't work an office job, Danny, but when you are working in this, like – hybrid environment where you've got in-person meetings and virtual, it's nuts. It's so much more difficult. It's exactly what we're going through today, which is why we're recording this bit and you're talking to Tony because I've got to get from a, a you know in-person here and then I've got to do a virtual and then I've got to get somewhere else and then I've got to commute in between. And we never used to do that because we used to just say, you've got 40 minutes in between every meeting to get from the next place to the next place to the yep. next place. Now the expectation is that you have five minutes because we've just done it virtually. So... I couldn't agree more that I think there is a multitude of factors at play. Yep. And it is not that the game is a shadow of what it once was. No, no, you just don't like the game because your team's losing. But they do losing. this every couple they of do. years. They and do. They do. And no, but I've, do you want to hear my conspiracy theory? Please do. Okay. Let, according to a dad at Ozkick. Oh, good, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're all great conspiracy reliable, theory reliable. start with this. <laughs> reliable. Um, the, the, the broadcasting rights deal is done. Yes. And footy next year will be broadcast on Amazon. 
Mm. This is what he's pretty militant about. Very reliable. He's not. I don't know who this guy no, no. is. Well, but, so then Channel 7, it's in their interest to be slagging off the product. Yeah. And this is why uh, you see like Adam Cooney, uh, he's, he's, been he's been really anti on it. Uh, who's the other guy? Uh, David uh, King has been doing a bit of it, I think. Yeah, because Fox are probably losing it as well. Um, uh, the Daisy and Heater just seems to be yep. what we hate about footy every week. Yeah, look, I think there are some genuine gripes with some things that are going on, and there's some teething issues with rule changes. Sure. I, I, I for certain think that, it, but to, to claim it's one thing seems highly unlikely yep. to me, if not plain impossible, yep. that it would be the only thing that's going wrong. And I think the other thing is that, it, so in the it's the same thing that's happening in the US too, right? Amazon are coming in, Apple, Apple are coming into the NFL rights. Like the, the, there is probably some validity to the conversation, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that slagging off the product, especially not for TV games, because what's TV viewership at? Is that way down as well? Because uh, that negotiation makes sense. Yeah. Probably the hole in this. this How dare you? This, no, I don't uh, know the ratings, so, to be honest. So I, I think that's probably a better conversation. Like what is the net viewership um, in person and at home? Um, yeah. Because, look, I mean, going to the footy... And, I, like, I've and I'd this, say it'd be down because the big clubs are struggling. Yeah, and it makes sense, right? Like, but, uh, but I've always said this. I mean, going to the footy is a big expedition. If you've got kids in particular, oh, yeah. I imagine. It's a, yes. massive, it's a massive effort. I mean, these are long games of football. They're not going to a you know, 90-minute soccer match. Yeah, or yeah. It's, it's a five-hour affair because yes. you've got to get into town. You've got to find something to eat. You've got to get the kids in. And so maybe just with everything that's going on, it's just in the too hard basket for yeah. some people at the moment. And look, fair weather supporters who don't watch their team every week because they're losing, this is another controversial opinion, that's okay. Yeah. You're allowed to not watch your team every week. I mean, I'm not like that, but I'm not going to judge you for not being like that. Ah. If the Bulldogs are at the bottom of the ladder, I'll still watch. I'll still go. But if you have something better to do, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, think about it this way. And again, I'll probably hark back to the 2016 year too much. But if you, nah, if, you if you looked at the, yeah, the numbers of us in terms of viewership, particularly through the back end of the season, if you hosted the grand final parade tomorrow with the Western Bulldogs and the Sydney Swans, there would be one-tenth of the people there. Yeah. And that's just the reality of it, right? Like we had a record-breaking year um, in, in the sense that we had 180,000 people, I think, turn up to the grand final parade. And footy was probably, honestly, at its peak between 2016 to 2019 in terms of viewership because Richmond were going really well. Yeah. There was a great story in 2016. Then West Coast went. Like, it, it's just an amazing amount of stories. The last couple of years have been challenging, not for, only for the players, but for supporters and people that are actually involved in the AFL. So there's... Look, the game's still going through some some challenges based off the back of the last two years. But and it's it, not. It all, it's, a, it's, it's the most dominant force in Australia. Yeah, and it's still a better sport to watch than any other sport. Well, it's the most, it, it is the most powerful brand in Australia, sure. in all honesty. I mean, from a, from a company that grabs the hearts and minds of millions of people every single year, it's going to be fine. Yeah. It'll be just fine. It'll be just They'll fine. They'll work it out. Yeah. And footy's still great. Stop whinging. <laughs> Watch your team or don't, whatever. Just stop complaining. Yeah, I agree, mate. I think there are there's bright futures in front of the, the game. And look, to be honest, the other thing is that, um, as I mentioned before, the soft cap has taken a massive hit. So as that creeps back up over the next few years, which I would really, really hope that it does, there'll be more people involved. The resources around footy clubs are going to get better again. There'll be more coaches. and we, The game's only going to get better. At the moment, it's been through the most challenging three years um, in a long time. Yep. 
And um, yeah, I, I would say it's going to take a little bit of time to to be perfect, but the the product is still good. People are still interested, and don't forget, we're just going into winter. Let's uh, let's see what happens as the the end of the season comes. Okay, coming up next, Tony Liberatore. What is your current job at the moment? What's your life? Uh, my life is uh, I sell and restock first aid kits and defibrillators. I sell the deep kits and keep them very busy. So I go to um, you know, places like um, building sites, uh, engineers, logistics, um, where there's a lot of people work and need their first aid kits restocked and their deep kits checked. Mate, so, so did COVID actually help your work? Um, it did to a degree because, I mean, I sort of, you know, the, um, the hand sanitizer, the masks, and the um, uh, the temperature gauges, or what are they called now, the rapid things. Uh, yeah, so I was selling a few bit of that as well. So um, I was busy, yeah. Is it your own business? It is, yeah, Liberatore First Aid. Oh, here we go. Everyone, get get a, get on board, Liberatore <laughs> First Aid, and then you get to, you get a Brownlow medalist coming around to your house. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, we, good. we've got a lot of uh, questions from our uh, from our listeners. I'm going to just j- jump right into them. We'll probably jump around in the conversation. Our first one was from one of our Patreons, uh, uh, Rob, uh, who he wanted to ask, this is quite specific, but he wanted to ask about a man called Ange Pratalia, who he works with, who claims that he f- he made, got your career on track. Do you know Ange Pratalia? Yeah. It's actually Angelo Petraglia. Oh, is it? Oh, is it a hard G? Oh, forgive me. Yeah, that, well, Andrew is a, um, a Western Bulldogs player. Um, we both – he came from North Melbourne, so did I, under-19s, and um, very talented player, Ange, and um, I think we – I'll never get a day at the window, but we played Geelong, and um, it was a really, really wet day, day like today, and um, I think he kicked four goals and had a really good, really good game. And Ange was a – really talented player but um, my understanding the reason why he did sort of kick on was because he was a hairdresser and um, now he's bald but anyway it's another story hey, all the good people um, are and, and yeah and um, basically um, he was told you know he was travelling from I think Burwood or Baronia um, to Footscray and he had to come to training more often and it wasn't a lot of flexibility with his work because back in those days it wasn't really fully professional in the late 80s and um but Andrew's a very talented player, and um, I saw him the other day, actually, believe it or not, on a, on a job site where, which I visited. A guy yelled out to me, and there, there's Ange, and uh, we sat down, had a coffee, and a really good chat for about an hour. So it was really good to see. Well, according to Rob, uh, Ange claims that he uh, he got he got you to come over from North Melbourne. Um, not quite right, because actually nobody got me over North Melbourne. I actually I had to ring up some footy clubs to see if I can get a gig at any of the footy clubs at Footscray were lucky enough to uh, accept my uh, asking if I can have a kick and have a run around. So that's how it eventuated. Wow, that must be such an awkward phone call to make. I mean, I'm guessing the, you know, the, the receptionist answers. And who, who do you ask to speak to? I mean, you're just like, you know, is, so you, I guess you're ringing Hawthorne at that time. Can I speak to Alan Jeans, please? Um, yeah, I, oh, that, that's a, yeah, that's exactly what I did. There was no email. There was no... Um, TikTok, whatever you want to call it, those, those days um, back in the late 80s. Um, yeah, I just rang up um, with I can speak to the football manager and I think I spoke to St Kilda, Hawthorne and Footscray, which I'll call back then and asked whether I can have an opportunity to have a, come down and have a training run. And, um, 
lo and behold, um, Footscray just sort of said, yep, can't guarantee anything, but come down. I'd, I'd won the uh, under-9s best in comp, and, um, which was the Morrish medal back then, so I was only small. And some said, yeah, we've heard of you, but um, no, like St Kilda said, we've got, a, we've got enough small players. Hawthorne, I think they had John Platten arrive from Adelaide. Of course. Um, so Hawthorne. So, and then Footscray just said, yeah, just come down, but there's no guarantee. So um, I just jumped at that opportunity, and um, I was lucky enough to have a career at the, at the club. Man, it must have been. It's because you won. You won the 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 Brown the Morris Medal. Is that for under nineteens? You also won the reserves best and fairest. Are you the only person yeah, to get the at, trifecta? Yeah, that was at Footscray. Yeah, so I actually won the reserves twice in eighty six and eighty eight at Footscray, and then nineteen ninety won the Brownlow. So even even years are pretty good because eighty four I'd won the Morris Medal as well. <laughs> <laughs> and just going also back to your to your uh, childhood, you're you're a, you're a twin brother. One of our listeners, Mick, uh, wants to know: Is it true your your twin brother became a bodybuilder? He, he is, and he certainly and he still is. He has a gym called Real Fit in Tehran, um, and he does very very well. And, he, and he's still competing. And I saw a picture of him the other day um, in an over fifty five competition in Sydney. Won some competition, so extremely uh, dedicated to his uh, bodybuilding and his nutrition and he has a number of clients that he sort of helps out and um, does a lot of body transformation. So he, he's doing very well. So I'm guessing you're not identical anymore. Um, in face, maybe. No, we've always been unidentical. We have been identical. Oh, you're fraternal. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was reading your autobiography. You got it was hard to tell the difference between you two. So <laughs> yeah, maybe when we were younger, we looked a bit a lot, a lot alike. So um, yeah, but we're pretty sure we're internal. So um, I mean, as I said, we got heaps of questions. I might just start with a very vague one. This is from Gay. What is your favourite footy moment? I mean, you've got such a epic career that spanned decades. Uh, so many heart. You know, people a lot, a lot of the time focus on the heartbreaking ones, but there was so much positivity going on in your career. Is there a, a favourite moment or is there a top three that you often think back to and smile? Well, winning the 2016 Premiership and watching Tom run around with a snag, but that was the most, um, from a, you know, look at from a supporter or, you know, amongst a team type thing. Um, to me, that was the greatest thrill I've ever seen. And, uh, um, you know, look, I think 1997, the whole year was Quite great because we just sort of come from no one. Uh, the last game at the Noble was really special. Oh, I mean, yeah. I've still got the photo of the. Uh, I actually saw it this morning for some reason. I was just in a room and I, the print was up on the wall, and I just went. You go through the names of, of the side that was played nine nine seven. Incredibly, really, really good side. Really, really good players, and um, so that was a you know, and that was, and even you know, I know we lost the prelim by a couple of points, but nineteen ninety seven was a, a great year. Um, we were the real underdogs that year, and a bit like 2016 for the dogs when um, come from nowhere. But that that was a great journey, watching the, the, the boys and travelling interstate all over the place to watch them win win their first of the second premiership. Uh, 2016 it was really really special. Was there any mixed feelings for you seeing Tom win the flag or was it just paternal instinct, you're just so happy for him? Or were you more happy as a father or as a, as a Bulldogs fan? Oh, both. Um, you know, there, there was certainly no, none of it. I wish I could have done that. Oh, no, definitely not. I mean, when you, 
premierships are so hard to win and um, to watch that journey, that month was incredibly great because, you know, it was such a great ride and uh, everything, I mean, I mean, I look at myself now as a supporter, but also, you know, I feel like I'm part of the club but you know, as a past player, but it's certainly no um, jealousy or anything like that, far from it. You know, if anything, it's just just pure joy for the um, for the club, you know, for the whole club itself, like the whole, the people who, who are involved in the three clubs and the, and the past players and every player who put the red, white and blue on and played a senior game of footy and uh, it's just, just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Because we all rode the journey of the 2016 prelim with you. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of stories of people chatting to you on the train going out oh, to the game. Uh, and oh well, and one thing, I don't know if you remember this, someone said to you, I hope your boy has a blinder. And you said, doesn't matter how he plays, it's how the team plays. Yeah, I probably said that. I remember I got off the train because the game was in, oh, I don't know where the GWS grant was. Fair way out of Sydney, oh, yeah. so and, and um, yeah, so it was really strange because I got off that. I think I got off the train and I was in another carriage, and I got out of the carriage. And lo and behold, I think whether it was Footscray Cheer Squad or the group of people who were, um, and they just surrounded me and started chanting me. It's like, <laughs> mate, I, I'm not, I'm not a player. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a former talent ex player. I don't play. Oh, it doesn't matter. You know, you're, and I was like, oh, I can't, can't have the amount of text messages. Oh, hundreds and hundreds of messages I received on that particular day and or that night after we won. And I've never felt more confident going to a grand final than um, than, than 2016 because it, we were we were never going to lose. Um, I, I just it was just such a great ride. And the cameras um, did keep going to you during that prelim. I don't know if you've rewatched <laughs> it, but you just uh, you, the, whoever, whichever camera operator found you, they just focused in, and your emotions were just perfect. You you were you were packing oh. your dacks th- at times we were, and you were <laughs> elated when we were. It was it was just great to see uh, s- someone else feeling all the the horror and joy that we were. Yeah, look, that that was. Incredible. I mean, that was that was an amazing experience, and you know, just to and there were, I mean, there were so many bulldog supporters travelled by bus and car, and you know, we're at the ground, on, and it was just great because it was such a big role between GWS and us. And, um, um, you know, they say um, I don't know, we're going to call it lucky, but you make your own luck in footy, and um, I, I think the game went another five minutes, but we were still coming again, and. Um, it was just pure joy, exhilaration. It was incredible. It was a great, great, great night. If you'd been playing that day, this is a great question from Gene. Uh, you know, famously, that was a Bulldogs home home game because you know, I think it was like at least seventy percent of the crowd were Bulldogs fans. Did you feel? Do you feel you lifted more playing in front of the Bulldogs faithful, or did a crowd of opposition ferals kind of get you going as well? <laughs> Oh, no, look, I'll be honest with you, I've never been one to, I sort of block uh, crowd noise out because I'm, I'm so focused on on the next contest or what have you. And, yeah, certainly maybe after a goal's kick, you hear the, um, the roar of the crowd, but I'm sort of more focused on what I'm doing. Like, I, I did really, sort of, the, the crowd noise sort of was the, 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 doesn't really come into effect the way I, Approach the game of footy, uh, and that's just through experience, I guess. And you just 
sort of zero in what you've got to do and, and how you're going to help the side best to win. Because you were good at uh, at targeting opponents. Uh, uh, ben wants to know, did you prefer <laughs> playing on Knights or Kelly? Um, Knights or Kelly? Well, I think Kelly, Kelly was a harder player to play on because he was such a uh, aerobic beast. He was such a strong runner and hard, hard for the ball. So, I, I mean, Matty Knights is probably more of um, an outside player. So, probably I found players like that a little bit easier to play on because... Um, they didn't really, I mean, they were, they were good in other parts of the game, but they weren't a big contested player, whereas um, Kelly was. Yeah. I mean, did, I, I reckon you sparked the rivalry between the Bulldogs and the Tigers, which I fully admit is a one-sided rivalry in that we don't like them. They have bigger fish to fry. They would call their main rivals, you know, Collingwood or Carlton. Whereas I, yeah. I, I've genuinely felt... In 97 and 2001, when you had your incidents with him, he, you got all the blame, but the footage was of him. You were bleeding as well. He was belting you, yet for some reason it was all, oh, it's Tony Liberatore's fault. Did you ever feel that that was quite unjust? No, not really. Look, I mean, I did the wrong thing. I, I came in and I, you know, at a split second I just made, you know, I just decided to just, I, I thought actually he was going to come right through me, so I just lifted my arm up and um, it was my fault. Um, I didn't get any blood on me, so <laughs> um, that wasn't, that wasn't, uh, I know you're always, one of my board supporters, Danny, but, <laughs> um, you know, there, there wasn't much um, punching going on from his, his point of view. I think it was more gangster, gangster slapping than anything else. But <laughs> um, yeah, so, look, you know, no, no you know, look, you know, uh, do the crime you pay. I mean, the thing that, the thing that probably disappointed me a little bit was um, I wasn't seen, and I, I mean, it wasn't um, seen on, on vision. But I mean, Wayne Campbell sort of said that no, nah, he I saw everything, blah 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 blah, and um, I got five suspensions for it. Um, it wasn't a look, good look in the game, and it's certainly not something that you you want to you know put in footy today. So it wasn't that wasn't one of my greatest. Um, <laughs> so what you're saying, Wayne, Wayne Campbell's a rat, and uh, he wouldn't have if we if this was if this was in the mafia, he wouldn't have lasted long. <laughs> he wouldn't have. No, no lagging didn't really go on back in those days, but they certainly come to the fore that day. So, but look, you know that was fair enough. I, I um I I did the wrong thing. So anyway. Oh wow! I mean. <laughs> You know, you pushed the envelope uh, in ways that prolonged your career famously. Do you still, when you watch players push the envelope these days, do you do you kind of respect that, or is it, or are you sort of uh, like, I guess, an, an uh, the old dog going, "Oh, mate, I've I've been down that path. I know where it goes." Oh, look, you know, I mean, look, I respect that to a degree. Um, you know, look, I, look, the game's so different. Like, you know, like you're talking, you know. What nineteen ninety seven two thousand? It's over twenty years ago, so it's a completely, yeah. it's a completely different aspect of the game. So you know, it's yeah, it's it's different. It's completely different, and you know what you can get away with and what you can't get away with. So yeah, you know, we push the letter of the law, but um, you can't, you just can't do it anymore, and, and that's fair enough because you know, like people want to, you know, the old biffos. That's all gone, unfortunately. That's that's a thing of the past. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Do you, so, I mean, do you, you is know, there any players you like at the moment who who you you love seeing them push the envelope? And I'm, I'm talking players that aren't a direct blood relative of yours. Um, I don't know if there, if there are any these days who are allowed to do that. Um, I mean, I, I guess I've always been um, someone. I mean, I'm not um, blessed with the amount of skill of, of other players. Um, being a shorter player, you know, like. Um, I, I sort of just admire the little guys who run around, and you know, guys like Caleb Daniel, obviously, that's yep. really, 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 and he, he's so good at what he does. Um, he's such a creative player, but you know, I think, um, he, yeah, I mean, there's, there aren't a lot of players now that, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess you've got it. The game's so different. I mean, it's, it's quite athletic. Um, I mean, you, you, I love watching the, the, a good story about a player who's sort of come from nowhere and has worked really, really hard to get to where he's, you know, where he's got and. Um, you know, players haven't been gifted with the with the all the natural talent and the, and the greatness. But um, so, would you name yeah. one now? Who's who is your favourite player who's not directly related to you at the Bulldogs? Uh, oh, look, I'd probably say Caleb Daniel. Yeah, yeah nice. I mean, I've, I've admired him. That's why he won I've the Yeah, look, I mean, I remember when he first got drafted, and the recruiting manager rang me up and sort of said, you know, um, look, we've, we've picked up. Which, which is Simon Dalrymple, actually, and he said, we've picked him up and um, the coaches think he's a bit too small and he's not good enough. And, um, and I thought, well, that's a bit harsh. And then he said, can you give him a call and just sort of just sort of say, hey, look, you know, welcome to the club, blah, 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 which was the only time I really got, I mean, a call from someone like that to say that. Um, and anyway, um, so I rang him up and, oh, geez, I was so impressed with a young kid, the way he spoke. Um, Everything, everything about him, and, and I watched the vision of him um, in the under 18s and I thought this kid's going to be a really, really good player. He's just such a smart player, and um, and, and he was really positive. You know, it's, it's funny, you know, like back when I played, like height was such a big thing, um, whereas now it's sort of like it's not, it's not what how you know how tall you are, it's how well you can use the ball, run, you know, like um, so. And he was he, he just come from nowhere to become. You know, like, you know, um, I don't know, I think he's been in all Australian, I'm not too sure, but he's finished high up in the best and fairest. Um, he's absolutely so a superstar, yeah. Very, very talented player, and we're so lucky to have him, and I hope he, I know he's out of contract, I hope we keep him because he's, uh, he's such a good player for us. Well, this is a question from one of our main Patreons, Superb Mario, and I love this question, and just talking about how different the game is between now and the 90s. Who in the current squad would have made an impact in the 90s? Like, if you could sort of grab a player from the, for, who plays for the Dogs in 2022 and throw him, in the, throw him on the ground in 1997, and uh, you could pick anyone, who would you pick? Oh, well, obviously, you know, um, Marcus Bonapelli is probably, you know, arguably our best player, and um, yep. he's probably such a, such a talent. I mean, even Tim English, I mean, he's a... I sort of look at Scott Wines when I played with and. You know, when he won his Brownlee in the early 90s, and I look at Tim English, there's, there's so many comparisons, but Tim English is a better kick and he's better below the knees than, than um, Scotty. But um, as in, um, uh, yeah, I mean, either of those two players, are, and there's a number of players that you could probably sort of say, um, it's such a hard thing to compare because it's such a different game compared to when we played in the, uh, in the 90s. 
It was, yeah. And, and for, fair play to, to Scott Wine. Also, medical uh, technology has moved a lot forward. Scott Wine's knees were absolutely oh. shot, and I think they tried yeah, to fix it yeah. with leeches and prayer. Yeah, look, I mean, look, oh, he, he, you know, like, it's, he's, the, he's the best player that I played with at the Bulldogs. Because That's it. He, you know, uh, yeah, he, he and Doug Hawkins. I mean, I probably got Doug towards the end of my career, but Scott was probably more in that era where, um, you know, he probably, he had so much impact as a, as a leader. Um, he didn't really have to say much, but he certainly protected um, the players. So he, he's, um, and one of the nicest blokes you ever want to uh, come across. Oh, we got to get him on the pod. He doesn't do much media, <laughs> yeah. but I was absolute fan no, of him. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Are you still, f- you, we, we always associate you with uh, uh, players like Paul DiMatina and Jose Romero. Uh, you guys absolutely went to war on, uh, on, on certain teams. Did you psych yourselves up with them? This is a question from Cole. Uh, <laughs> did, did you, Paul and Jose, all kind of get together and rev each other up or was it just, uh, just organic? Oh, look, we, we just had a, um, a bit of a plan. Like, we had a bit of a license to do what we wanted to do, I guess. And there were some funny situations. I remember um, one day before we played Essendon at MCG, and I actually had my knee in a brace, and I started on the bench, and I think the rules started coming in after that. But um, Terry Terry Wallace, who was our coach, sort of, he sort of, um, we were a little bit of a feared team. Um, we weren't gifted with a natural. Um, apart from a guy like, say, Chris Grant, who was such a superstar player. But we weren't a... Um, a super, I mean, we were really hard working and we were a little bit feared from the opposition. So um, Terry used to sort of say, look, we always put one player in the gun. So he'd circle a player's name and he'd sort of say, look, well, let's try and target that guy. Wow. And nothing untoward, but just bump him, just put a bit of pressure on him um, off the ball, just niggle at him. Or, so you can imagine 20 blokes Gun up for one particular player. <laughs> so, so Jose, Jose Dimmer and I decided that one day we'll play Essendon BG. Let's have a crack at James Hurd. He's the best yes. player Essendon. And, and, uh, he started full forward. So I came off the bench. <laughs> like, before the start of the game, we just charged at him and you know, put him on his backside or, or roughed him up a bit. And, uh, <laughs> and then, lo and behold, I just jogged back to the bench. And I was thinking, <laughs> oh, no. you know, like. Um, so, you know, you, back then it was so different. It was, you get away with Blue Murder, I guess. But um, obviously the rules started changing after that cause of, probably because of us. But we just sort of decided we'd have a bit of a tactic against um, a particular player and um, try and rough a couple of, ruffle a few feathers. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, the, the very famous game against um, West Coast when Michael Gardner was, was attacked. Now, this <laughs> is... Is this 1992 um, when it's like three degrees at, at Whitnoval and? Uh, yeah, I think it was 97. Oh, is it, uh, it's the last game. It's the last stand. That's right. Been, I'm pretty sure it was the last game. And that, that, now we were never going to lose that game because um, you know every supporter was there. And, I was um, there. Yep. Uh, you, you were there, and it was such a. It was a funny day because it was a nice sunny day at the start, and then as soon as the game started, it certainly <laughs> the clouds come over and. The bit of, gods bit of, bit of decided. A bit of a day like today, but yep. <laughs> you know, rain was rain was coming and sideways, backways, whatever way. So um, yeah, it was just one of those old fashioned games, you know. Like um, I can imagine, you know, I remember when Ted, I saw vision footage of Ted Witten's last game as a coach, and oh, yeah. something on those something on those lines where it, it sort of um, it was reincarnated again 
uh, back in the late 90s, so um, at the Witten Oval. So, and, you know, like there's, you know, and we all as kids went to footy, you know, rain, hail, or shine. And sometimes when you're standing in the rain and, and watching your team play, it's, I, I find it just much bigger buzz than you know, sitting in a cosy Etihad Stadium under a roof. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a different, a different feeling, different philosophy, different um, ideals. Um, the way the game, the way the game is, but it was it was it was a great a great great memory that last game. It was, yeah, it was it was a really uh, just beautiful Footscray day. Uh, all right, we've, we I don't want to take you up for too much longer. Uh, look, uh, for, first of all, um, with we've got Josh Bruce and hopefully Toby McLean coming back very soon from ACLs. You came back from an ACL within like twenty minutes. Is that about right? <laughs> I've had two actually. Um, oh wow! I did my first, yeah, one on each knee. I did my first one um, back in the year on the brown line, nineteen ninety. So I missed the last three games there. And still won it. Wow! Yeah, I was lucky enough to win. And <laughs> I say to people, the year prior to that, I, I was a captain of the reserve, so something went right that year. But anyway, and you you um, won the premiership I, with the reserves. Is that right? Uh, 1989, yes, but I, I didn't uh, play because I didn't qualify, didn't have enough games. But, oh, okay. Um, um, because I've been out for such a long time, but um, what was it, 89? I can't remember, it was 90, 89, 90, it got me there. Um, but, yeah, so, yes, but, um, sorry, your question again? Your question again, how did you come back from that, that th- oh, was yeah, it third ACL? One. Yeah, that was... Second ACL. That was um, 1998. Um, I did my knee. Actually, I remember it was at the SCG, and Josh Dunkley's dad, Andrew Dunkley, ran through me, and I, as I came down, oh, really? I was <laughs> yeah, as I came down, my knee buckled under me. Um, well, we got revenge. And I got, and I got, I got stretched off, and I got booed by the Sydney supporters. So that was interesting. Not that it's not that I remember it, but I, I got told about it. But anyway, um, but. Um, yeah, so I came back. We were we were going to play finals, and I had to sign a waiver. You know, I came back in oh, 14 weeks, 16 weeks after ACL, and to say, look, if it happens again, if you do your knee again, it's, it's over. So I was prepared to do that, and that was 98, and I ended up retiring in 2002. But um, yeah, so I, I was pretty much straight after the operation. Um, a week later, just jumped on a bike, an exercise bike, and started getting the uh, the strength back in my knee and. and how did you do it? How, like, how is that physically possible? Well, it's funny what your your mind, how strong your mind is, and I think it all comes back to your mind. And um, I just jumped on a bike and just just started building up. And I, I spent two hours, one hour in the morning, one hour at night, and I just went through the pain patch. If I had, if I got any pain, I'd stop. But I had no pain at all, so I kept on building, 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 building. And then I remember at about eight weeks, I started running again and. And um, I remember um, Terry saying to me, well, there's no guarantee you'll play. So, yeah, that's okay. No worries. I just trained and trained and trained. I, I mean, I know they have different methods now with regards to how many, how many kicks you can do, and I don't know what the stats are, but with regards to how, how much you should push yourself, but I certainly push myself a bit. Um, a week after I get out of hospital, I was just on a mission to um, get back and get my knee right and come back and play. And I did play, but unfortunately, in 1998, um, yeah. Adelaide Brown Nemesis again with cop thumping. Um, 
<coughs> yeah, I was sadly at that game by, as well. By Adelaide. Yep. It wasn't a good, wasn't a good game, but um, uh, yeah, maybe our matchups a bit wrong too because Rowan Smithling was playing on um, uh, Rodbrum, who was about six foot four, and he's about <laughs> six foot. But anyway, um, but anyway, look, yeah, that we, yeah, that that window ninety seven ninety eight was probably there for us, but unfortunately, wasn't to be. But I wouldn't mind a dollar if everyone asked me that question. But yeah, anyway, exactly. Everyone wants to yeah. know, was it a goal? And I can answer that because I was actually sitting in the front row <laughs> behind. It was a goal. Of I saw it go were. through. I'm actually on a mission to find yeah. that goal umpire to give him the right of reply because I think it's... Yeah, uh, I, think it's an Ad- I think it was an Adelaide umpire too, I think. Ah, sure. yeah. Story umpire. checks out. And who was CEO of the AFL? Wayne Jackson. Where's he from? Adelaide. <laughs> it's all against us. All right, I'm going to finish with one question I'm sure you don't get too often. Uh about your yep. singing career, uh, Tony. Singing, singing career. I've I love a I love a YouTube rabbit hole, especially of old footy games and everything. I found the greatest, most cringeworthy thing that you've ever seen. I'm going to share it with the Danny Boyd socials. It is, it's oh, no. the gar- oh, Tony. You are the least embarrassing thing on this video. You actually you can hold your head up high. It is. It's footage oh. from the gala of the 1996 centenary night, where ah, yes. the music yep. men who were a hey hey at Saturday Red Faces act who sort of got a bit of uh, fame at that time. They come out and they sing all 16 club songs in different yep. genres, and for a few of them. Uh, like Sam Newman comes out and uh, he sings the Cats song. Uh, Rex Hunt does uh, St Kilda. Uh, and you come out and to do a bit of a, a genre thing. You do a bit of a crooning version of Sons of the Scray, as it was, <laughs> doing a bit of a waltz as well. It's You can hold your own there. It's a, It was a bit of like uh, a Italian uh, smoothness. Well, I'm not too sure, but I've got a feeling if it was the first act, if I, my memory serves it correct, I came out and it was, it was a history of AFL and I came out as Charlie Chaplin. Oh, is that right? Top, That's not in the footage, but that hat. explains the suit. <laughs> yeah, maybe I had something to do with that and then maybe later on we had to do something So, um, with regard to the, the Bulldog song. So maybe I'll, I was doing a bit of crooning for the oh, team, Martin. I'll send you the I'm link. It's definitely you definitely could fit in with the Rat Pack. Oh, <laughs> All right, and if you want, if you're worried about being embarrassing, wait till you see the Tigerland rap. That is much more hideous than anything you're going to okay. see. So you're well, also <laughs> Tony. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure. We people can follow you on Instagram and of course uh, get behind uh, Liberatore First Aid. Are you guys on uh, Facebook and Instagram? We'll, we'll give you a plug. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Am. Yeah, so um, it's, you could, I mean, it's pretty easy to find these days. Just Google and the story first day comes up, and all the information comes up on there. And do you think? Uh, how do you think we're going to go for the rest of the year? We started pretty badly, but I feel we're getting somewhere. Will Will you see Tom lift his second premiership cup? I certainly hope so. I don't think we started as badly. I think we've been a little bit unlucky losing to Adelaide by a point. And the Carlton game especially was the one that we probably should have won. Yep. Um, and you win those two games and you're sort of up around either four. But, you know, us, Footscray slash Bulldogs, we always do things the hard way. So, yeah, I think we're on it. It's, it's, it's too easy to be sitting in the top four. We've got to finish, you know, seventh or eighth and then we'll work out. Then, then the season will start then. So, look, you know, I thought, you know, even last year we had a fantastic year considering the year before 
I think we lost our first final. So we've come through leaps and bounds. We'll, we'll get we'll get all our players back, and oh, I'm I'm quietly confident, and I like to think that we're sort of flying under the radar a bit. And I think um, I think we can beat Geelong tomorrow on, on Friday night. And, um, we can really set up our second half of the year because I think we're a pretty good side, and um, you wouldn't under, underestimate us uh, because you know we that was that was a really good win. I know West Coast aren't much, but you know to win by 100 points pretty good, you know, so it's really good for our percentage, so, no, I'm, I'm quietly confident we can get, we can uh, we can be right up there and when, when the business uh, towards the final. Oh, what a great way to end this. Thank you Liver Senior, as you're now forever known. <laughs> uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. We're going to get you back sometime. You're brilliant. No, as well, I'm known as Tom's dad these days for the kids, so um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Thanks, Tom's dad. Cheers. Thanks, Danny. Today's episode was proudly brought to you by 8 Star Energy, creating energy for the future and power you can count on. Follow them on Facebook, 8 Star Energy. I gave my childhood to that role Of the red, white and blue sea And the knowledge that you had to love The bulldog boys and me Twenty years on, I feel that longing Hanging in September air But the reason I go every week Is to pretend you're still there And they will find the glory one day And I will throw it at your feet It's a long, long road they're running for you The dogs of Footscray Streets Long, long road they're running for you The dogs of Footscray Streets